We're reading from Psalm 119 today. Again, we have a companion study with this series that's on our website. It's called The Word. Uh, This week's study is the second part of answering the question, is the Bible reliable? It is, and there's tremendous evidence for that. You can find out some more in the second study. Just go to our website, click on the media option, and you'll, you'll see a, a selection called Life Group Resources. And you click on that, and it has several. It's the one called The Word is what you're looking for. And uh, you can take the second uh, uh, option there and look at the second part of, of Is the Bible Reliable? This week, most of us have problems. Uh, we, we just live in a world That's full of problems. The glass on that shelf that I want for my juice is just a little bit out of my reach. The car is making a noise that I know cars are not supposed to make. But I have no idea what the noise actually is. I want waffles for breakfast, but we're out of flour. Such are the problems of life. Now, now some problems in life are relatively easy To solve, I just grab a step stool so I can reach the glass. I go to the mechanic to find out why my car is making that noise. And I eat cereal instead of waffles for breakfast. There's some easy solutions to, to some problems in life. But some problems aren't so simple. Some problems, the solutions don't seem to be available to us at all. What do we do then? What do we do when we have... A problem for which there seems no solution. Well, the psalmist had exactly that quandary. He had a question that he could not answer. Perhaps it's a question that you've had. Here's what he discovered in his life. And here's the question. What do you do when you examine your life And your life is not what you know it should be. Have you been there? Have you said something to someone and immediately wanted to take it back, but realized that once it's said, it can't be unheard. You can apologize for it. You can try to make up for it. But once it's out there, it's out there. And you wonder, how can I ever make up for saying such a terrible thing? What do you do? Or what if you miss an opportunity? You you see someone in need and you know that you have exactly what they need. But at that particular moment in your life, you just don't have time. And you think, well, somebody else will stop. Somebody else that has more time than I do. I don't want to get involved. And as you, you go on with your life, you immediately realize, oh, I made a terrible mistake. I should have stopped and helped them. You turn around, you go back. And they're gone. They're not there anymore. That opportunity to serve someone, to help someone, is gone. What do you do? Or when you've disappointed someone, you promised your child that you'd be there for their ball game. And then work got kind of hectic and and you just didn't quite make it there. And and you know that that your child is much more important than than your work and you hope that they know that. But but deep down, oh, you you know you should have been there. You should have kept your promise and you didn't. What do you do? 
the psalmist understood those kind of problems. Those kind of situations where he looked back at his life, he knew what he was supposed to do, and, and he failed. And he knew what he was supposed to do. That's what makes it difficult. He starts Psalms 119 with that very understanding. We, we read this last week. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless. Blessed are they who keep his statutes. And in the verse 3, they do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. The psalmist knows exactly what he's supposed to be doing. God's word is clearly laid it out for him. And the psalmist recognized exactly what he's supposed to do. Verse 4, he says, You've laid down your precepts that are to be fully obeyed. The psalmist recognized that the commands in the Scripture come directly from God. The, the word that he uses that's here translated as precepts, it's a word that describes God's commandments, not God's suggestions. It's not even God's plan. These are commandments from God. And there was only one correct response to a commandment from God, and that is to obey. And the psalmist understood that. There was no debate, not even in his heart. He knew he was supposed to do the things that God told him to do. But there was a problem. He talks about it in verse 5. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. The psalmist knows that the way to a happy, abundant life is to seek God with his whole heart, to avoid injustice, to avoid iniquity. There's just one problem. He looks back at his own life and he realizes, whoops, I didn't do that. And so he prays for God to help him. When he reads God's commands, he feels shame as he recognizes, that's what I should have done, but I didn't do. Have you been there? What do you do? It is impossible to read the Bible and not go there. We read about God's love. We read about his mercy. We read about his grace. We read about his power. And we read his commands. And our life just doesn't measure up. We don't love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We did it our way, even when our way we knew wasn't really God's way. And we surely haven't loved our enemies. We really don't like them at all. We've done things we shouldn't have done. And we have not done things knowing that we should have done them. But at least we're in good company. Romans chapter 7 verse 15. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And then verse 19. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Verse 21. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. 
But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Now, who wrote those words? Was it King Ahab, one of the most evil kings in all of Israel? Well, he could have written those words, but he didn't. Maybe it was his wife, Jezebel. She was even worse. Surely that's what she thought. Well, it may have been, but she's not the one that wrote it. No, this was the Apostle Paul. Yeah, that Paul. The missionary. The church planter. The author of more books in the Bible than any other human hand. He looked at his own life. And what he sees leads him to this conclusion. What a wretched man I am. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I keep not doing it. Have you been there? The psalmist had. The apostle Paul had. And if we're honest, we all have. We've all realized what Paul wrote elsewhere in the letter to the Romans and Chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we recognize that all (laughs) includes us. Well, that's the problem. We, We get it. We understand it. We see it. So what's the answer? Well, don't worry. The Bible doesn't just point out the problem. It it tells us the solution. The psalmist discovered that in his own declaration. Verses 5 and 6 are, are actually a prayer. Realizing his own frailty, realizing his own failure, he calls out to the only one who can help him. He calls out to God. Paul basically gives this same prayer with a, a New Testament perspective. Again there in verse 24, I read it a moment ago, where Paul makes this declaration, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And then verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The psalmist looked forward to the answer that he knew God would one day provide. Paul identifies the answer that God indeed had provided. Who rescues us when we cannot rescue ourselves? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now Paul talked about that answer a lot. He pretty much talked about it every day for the rest of his life. He wrote about it. He preached about it. He told his fellow prison inmates about it. Why? Well, if you have the answer to the greatest question in all of life, you're going to let somebody know that. (laughs) That's information you can't keep to yourself. If you discovered the cure to cancer, you wouldn't keep that to yourself. If you figured out how to solve poverty or if you knew how to end world hunger, you'd let a few people know about that. Now, those are very real problems. And if you do know the answer to any of those, please let us know because we'd really like to get a handle on those. But here's the thing. 
as great and significant as those problems truly are. We who are here this morning know the answer to an even greater problem. Every single person on the face of this earth has this problem. And they realize they have this problem. They know that things are not what they ought to be in their life. And they desperately want some solution. And you have the answer. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So let's figure this out. As a church, we're the frozen chosen this morning. (laughs) We made it in here today because we wanted to do what it took to be somewhere and worship God. We weren't going to let even the weather keep us from doing that. So we're here this morning. And thank you again for doing that. So let's agree. Let's covenant together as God's people, as God's church. Let's do everything we can to tell our world the answer. This is our watch. This is our time. God has put us on the face of this globe right now, right here as Nationalized Baptist Church, right in this place in Northeast Springfield. We're here at this time to tell the world Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's what we're here for. And let's strive to work out those other problems, too. Let's strive to serve our our fellow people on on this planet by seeking to help them when they're sick, when they're hungry, when they're they're needy. And, And in helping them to share with them, hey, I'm glad to help you in this physical problem, but oh, let me tell you something even better. Let me tell you about Jesus. I challenge you at the beginning of the year with a question. What's your one? Just to think of one new way this year in 2019 that you could could find a way to take the next step in your Christian walk. And we've talked about several things. We're going to be talking about this 52 times this year. We're going to talk about it every Sunday. So get used to it. But I've got a new one today, and again, I'll, several of these come from an article that, that Lifeway has on, on one of their, their blogs, but, but I thought this one was a really good one. Uh, uh, how many, uh, you know, well, you don't have to answer that. It is, you, you can answer it in your head. How many of you, you go through the drive-thru at, at the fast food store? You, know? you don't have to admit it, but we can, I, I think most of us are, well, yeah, I've got my Big Mac, you know, I've done that. Well, they had a really great idea. Here's what they suggested is when you're going through the drive-thru, you know what a thankless job that is to stand there at that window and say, here's your bag, here's your Coke, move down there, (laughs) move on by. You know that that is not exactly the the most fulfilling job on the planet. Not a bad job, but you you know, I mean, it's not exactly something that's stimulating to your mind. (laughs) So, So here's what they suggested, dude. I like this. When you're in the drive through line, first of all, just give the, that young man or young lady that gives you your bag, give them a tip and be generous. You say, hey, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, I know this is not the 
most exciting thing you could do today, but thank you for helping feed me and feed my family. I just really appreciate that. And then do one other thing. Invite him to church. Just say, I know you're busy, not going to take any time, but love for you to come to National Heights Baptist Church next Sunday morning. We've got service at 8.30 and at 11 o'clock. Come visit us. We've got some cards back there that even have the times. You can just hand them one of those with, with, with your tip and say, don't want to keep, keep you, I know you're busy, but just want, just want to invite you to come worship with us. Now the tip, that may take care of a physical need. Those folks don't make a lot of money. And, and some, some of them are trying to feed their family on what they're making there at the fast food restaurant. So that, that tip may just help them with something that they're needing. And it'll take care of a physical need for them, maybe. But it, that invitation, who knows what God can do with that? They'll come here and hear God's word. They'll hear about how Jesus loves them. They'll find out how he died on the cross for their sins. They'll find out how he's alive right now. And their life could be changed forever. So what's your one? Maybe to change the life of a fast food worker. <laughs> Who knows? We have some more on our website. Again, if you're using our little Uversion event app, uh, you can have a link there that clicks back and connects you to some of the other what's your one we've been suggesting. And again, by the end of the year, you'll have 52 ideas, <laughs> things that you can do to take the next step in your journey with the Lord. Let's all covenant together to do what it takes to tell our world about Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for these folks that made a great effort to be here today. This was not easy to get here to worship you this morning, but we're glad you let us do that. So, Lord, help us to take that next step in our life, to do what it takes to tell our world about you. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.